Media Democracy, a podcast about politics, the media, and the politics of the media. My name is Dan Hind, and I'm joined as ever by my co-host Tom Mills. Tom, we're going to have a very short show this week. We're basically going to queue up a uh, a bit of a speech by John McDonnell on media and democracy in the Labour Party. Um, but before we do, I thought we'd, we'd have a, a very brief chat about the Labour conference and the way that media issues were handled there. There, yeah. there was a, a panel discussion on um, the punditry and, and its many shortcomings, which, uh, yeah. was, which, you, which listeners can find on the Navara stream on YouTube. Um, but the other thing, Tom, which I wanted to talk to you quickly about was um, Clive Lewis's remarks on the BBC and his, uh, his proposals for reform. Um, they excited yeah. a certain amount of comments. So, I mean, what do you make of that? Yeah, um, I, th- I think the uh, the discussion that you mentioned, the uh, why the pundits don't understand politics, well, that was well transformed, wasn't it? And I think the Clive Lewis one was actually coming from Labour Conference, or they could be wrong about that. Yeah, but he, uh, my understanding of it was, is that correct? I'm not quite sure where the the Clive Lewis remarks where, where they happened, as it were. So. So for listeners who aren't kind of as plugged into uh, um, the Labour stuff as, as I am, because I, I did sort of pop over to Brighton to see some World Transform stuff, there's the Labour Party conference, which is sort of constitutionally, um, you know, part of the democratic processes of the Labour Party. And there's the World Transform, which is operating in parallel to that, which was set up by uh, Momentum, but it's actually, you know, sort of independent of Momentum, which is kind of where a lot of the, you know, intellectual and political energy is really and um, Clive Lewis I'm not sure which one he was at but anyway I, my understanding of it was that I, I was there but he made a passing remark in, in reference to a question about the BBC and said that he would be in favour of um, democratising the position of, of Director General and mentioned the BBC's um, historical role as a sort of conservative force during the general strike you know sort of implying that the BBC um, was conservative, which you know, as, as this was known by that correctly, and then there was this kind of, you know, kind of hysterical response to it, wasn't there, from like certain quarters that this would be, or, or they they call it politicising the role of the director general, which is kind of strange because the, the the current process is that the director general, I mean, has long been appointed by the board, you know, through a kind of um, fairly opaque process, but I mean by by a politicised board. So it's like, when people say politicised, they just mean sort of democratising, don't they? Um, yeah, but it's an, but the idea it's an interesting there... technical use of language, isn't it? It's like, if you democratise things, it yeah. means that there may be voting involved. Whereas, if someone is yeah. appointed by the executive, because I think the chairman of the trust yeah. is appointed by the Prime Minister, possibly by, the, possibly by the Queen acting on the advice of the Prime Minister, as with the Archbishop of Canterbury. Right? I think actually, technically speaking, isn't it? Being appointed by the Privy Council, right, um, right, or the, the the Queen on the advice of the Privy Council. That's right. Yeah. That is 
that isn't political. That's just the residual absolutist power <laughs> of the you know of the, of the medieval state. It is. Um, it's the workings but, of but it's, but, it's the workings of grace. Is what it is. It's divine grace yeah, working through um, the body politic. Um, but but it would offend the uh, God and and the monarch if we would yeah politicize that. I mean, I, it, I, you know, it's one of the. Carry on. Sorry, Tom. Sorry. Go on. No, 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 you go. I just wanted, I mean, I just wanted to say it was interesting how um, Lewis framed it in terms of the BBC is very much like the NHS. It's not something that we want to do away with. It's something that we want to reform. And I think that's an interesting, an interesting analogy to make because both institutions have been subject to various kinds of um, neoliberal reform to use um, the sort of shorthand um, that winds certain sorts of people up. Um, they've been marketized. They've been um, subject to market mimicking governance of various kinds, and so I think that's quite a powerful. That's quite a powerful frame to put this in. Um, where I where I think it, where I think I'm a little bit hesitant is that I think that the the palette of reform options is very narrow at the moment. The idea of electing people is seen as being synonymous with democratisation. And I think it would be really helpful in the context of the BBC and indeed in in the NHS to think about ways in which they can be made for a for much more direct participation by the citizen body. Um, Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we talked about this last week, didn't we? Like more, um, you know, or at least we sort of gestured towards, you know, more substantive ways democratizing and opening up these kinds of institutions i mean that's kind of the weird thing um about the reaction to it is it would be a very mild and a way you know a very token reform to which you know clive lewis made a sort of in in a passing remark yeah and it's like it's such an it's such an obvious thing to do with a public institution that i just sort of astounds me that you would oppose it um from us from the perspective from which it's been opposed I mean, I, I agree with you. I, I don't think actually that would nearly reform the organisation um, enough to actually address some of the problems with it. Uh, and that's the basis on which to oppose um, what Clive Lewis is, is proposing, on which, you know, we shouldn't treat it as if it's a sort of, um, you know, a, a well thought out policy proposal. It, it, it's something which would seem like an obvious thing to do. And, and how could you disagree with it? But you're, I think you're absolutely right. Right, you know, it's, it's certainly not enough. I think um, that that is, yeah, and I think also, if we did make it an elected position, it would obviously just be David Attenborough until he dies, wouldn't it? I mean, like, who would you vote for? Like, it's such a, it's a tricky, it's a tricky thing to to think about in a way. Um, I would vote for you, Dan. Well, that's very good of you to say. Um, if, you, if you stood. I, well, you know, if, if I was forced to do it, um, speaking of which, <laughs> speaking of which, um, the the head of the BBC Trust is now in the cabinet. Is that right? Well, she's now in the she's now in the she's a junior minister, maybe. Rona yeah. Fairhead hasn't she moved? Yeah, so she's she's been appointed a peer, hasn't she, and then appointed to the cabinet. Is she has she got is a cabinet right? level position? I can't remember. Anyway, she's gone into the government, and this is amazing. The people who are on the one hand complaining about the like the idea of politicisation. <laughs> We have actually this like she was appointed by David Cameron and is now in a Conservative cabinet. It seems seems pretty political to me. Um, 
Yeah, and you know, off the back of um, Theresa May, yeah, recruiting the head of Westminster programs as as a spin doctor, we now have the former chair being brought into the cabinet. I mean, yeah, and yet the idea of uh, um, yeah, the politicisation working um, from the bottom up is is seen as a kind of yeah, total anathema, completely unconstitutional, and and you know, it, I mean, maybe we don't need to waste too much more time talking about this but I mean a lot of the pushback was coming from liberals you know this sort of idea that if you democratise things then the BBC is going to be run by UKIPers or something yeah I mean we, we can talk about that I think in, there's much more to be said about that sort of that kind of in a way reactionary liberalism or conservative liberalism yeah. of that, that kind which as you say takes it as a given that uh, the democracy is uh, a form of dumbing down um and is is only really tolerable to the extent to which it can be betrayed. Um, yeah. And that I think is I think that is a feature of of, of a lot of the the comment that comes from the centre and from people who would define themselves I think as being probably left of centre in lots of ways. Um, yeah. Now speaking of the BBC and and the actually existing BBC. Um, again, we're not going to spend a lot of time talking about it, but Nick Robinson wrote an article or, or had a, a piece in The Guardian which summarised uh, a lecture that he gave, I think, last night, um, which set out some um, themes for what he thinks is going on in the sometimes fractious relationship between uh, the established media, the BBC in particular, and the scrappy upstarts, the insurgent uh, online um, operations. And I would encourage listeners to go and uh, take a look at um, that article. It was published in The Guardian yesterday, I think. Um, it's quite easily found. Um, and Tom, we're gonna, we'll talk in more detail, I think, about his lecture um, in a future programme. Um, yeah. But is there anything you want to add now, or should we just go from there? Well, yeah, I mean, people people read it. I mean, I I think it was pretty weak stuff, really. I mean, basically, he sort of... He, he, the, the implication in the headline is that it's going to sort of diagnose the problem with the BBC's, you know, lack of responsiveness to certain constituencies, which isn't adequately representing, and, and the voices shouldn't be silenced, and so on. Uh, but, you know, ultimately, it sort of says... Why is it that people don't trust the media anymore? And it seems to come up with two kinds of reasons. Uh, one is that society has become more polarised of late, although it doesn't really sort of have a sense of why that might be the case or, or why people might be a bit disaffected with the establishment. But it's, that's all stated, which, you know, is that's correct. And then the second reason is that it seems to be that people don't trust the mainstream media because of the alternative media. And it's like, so... The reason people don't trust the media is because some people outside of it have been putting about the idea that the media is untrustworthy. I mean, that's, you know, I'm being you know, a little bit uncharitable, but that's more or less what the analysis amounts to. I think it was pretty shadow stuff. But we can, we'll, we'll be, let's let's hold our fire um, and we will, we'll listen to the proper lecture, see what he has to say, and, um, and we'll come back to it, I think. But, you know, I thought, from my impression, my initial impression, is that compared to John Snow's lecture, which we've all already discussed, um, the uh, the Metagot lecture, you know, this doesn't seem to even have been as serious in terms of diagnosing the, 
the the the, the scale and nature of the problems that the BBC and other media institutions face. But yeah, we'll we'll come back to it and um, we we deal with it in in more detail. I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the only thing that occurs to me is as you as you describe his position, it's it does it it's somewhat reminiscent of American liberals' claims that everything in, in American domestic politics at the moment can be explained in terms of uh, surreptitious or clandestine interference by the Russians. Like, the problem is outside yeah. the institutions that are under pressure. There's, they're not doing anything wrong. It's these exogenous forces which are, you know, which, as he said, you know, they're waging a guerrilla war, he said, and they're, they're, mm-hmm. their political strategy is to, is to undermine trust in the mainstream. Um, and as you say, the idea that the, the mainstream might might in some ways have foregone or um, lost trust for for reasons that could be rationally understood doesn't even feature in his thought world. Um, the problem it's is funny the kind of analogy of warfare. It, it reminds me of sort of response of any sort of power structure but when it's challenged from below. It's like why would people sort of oppose you? And it's always because people oppose me because people are putting a brown about the idea that these institutions are up to much or that there's something wrong with society, you know. Um, yeah, it's very evasive, I think. But, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll come back to it, I think. And um, But you're right, you know. It's, it, it's, it's obvious, in terms of, like, saying people don't trust the mainstream because of the alternative, I mean, it's obviously putting the cart before the horse there um, and not taking seriously some of the problems which lie, you know, with the BBC and with these other institutions and saying, well, you know, it's all the fault, the fault of you know, the canary of old politics and the Navarro who are putting about these sort of ideas about what the BBC are up to. Yeah, and I think the idea that, um, the idea that Aaron Bassani is some sort of Vladimir Putin figure is, is an outrage. It's a slander. It is, it is. Now, let's, uh, let's put that to one side. Um, the main, I think, I think we, we both agree that the most interesting and substantive, um, Discussion of the the politics of the media in the conference was a section of John McDonald's speech, um, which again I think took place um, away from the main um, conference in a in a world transformed um, panel. Is that right? I think that is that is right, isn't it? Um, I think it is. Yeah, because this came to me again uh, via our friends at Navarro. Yeah. So, who have been covering a lot of the um, a lot of the world transformed stuff. So we will um, we'll play that in a second. Um, but it, do you want to have a do you want to say one or two things before we we go to the clip? Yeah, sure. I mean, really, this was the sort of main item for for the show. Really, I mean, what all we wanted to do today was to sort of um, you know discuss briefly some of the. Uh, media and democracy-related discussions that were emerging out of the Labour Party and the World Transformed. And as, as Dan says, uh, this was in some ways the most interesting because it, it started talking about social media as um, an opportunity to circumvent some of the some of the mainstream. Um, and so it, it starts off by talking about how that has opened up some possibilities for, um, for Corbynism and the kind of change which has been going on in the Labour Party, and then um, and then moves on to a discussion of how a more sort of substantive alternative community process 
could be developed, which would which would be looking more towards the kind of um, bottom up policy development, which is really a more substantive vision of uh, of what politics could be and the kind of roles in which you know alternative media technologies uh, um, might play in that. I think you're right. I think he's interested in in the ways that you can develop more substantive forms of communication, which can only be to the good. Um, and it's it's heartening, obviously, that the the party at this point is thinking carefully about what modern communications techniques and technologies can add to um, the democratic process. So let's go over to his talk now. We know to win an election and to maintain a radical Labour government, we have to build the basis of support on the basis of information, not just gathering, but communicating as well. So yes, we have the continuing problem of the, the media ownership and control until we get into government and transform some of that. But what we, what we, need, to what we need to ensure is that we continue to refine the processes of, the processes of creative communication which enables, therefore, the participation of people, engagement in the development of the ideas and then the implementation of our plans. And that does mean real serious consideration of how we go to the next plateau in terms of creative use of social media and other forms of media as well. I think we've been incredibly successful so far, but it's still a narrow success. It's all well and good having a couple of million hits on a short clip or something like that. But actually, we need to go to the next stage of engagement. And one of the ideas we're developing, as Richard Barbrook again in his group, is we've got to develop on very rapidly now our forms of digital democracy so that we extend engagement in that way. And so it isn't just about communicating, it's about involving. Now, what's interesting, mechanisms exist and they're used. Actually, I think it was in South Korea they use digital democracy to actually design a whole range of legislation that was to put in place. We want to do exactly like, like that to transform Labour, policy, Labour Party policy-making engagement, but we want to then use that in a much wider engagement within civil society so that, again, we're one step ahead of not just communicating, but also one step ahead of democratic engagement in a way that our opponents, in the way that capital will never, able, never be able in the same way to mobilise. Now, that sounds quite ambitious, but actually I think it's doable, but we need to do it fast. So all those talents that people have get, uh, gained through social media now, we need to continue to develop them, of course, but we need now a dramatic push into digital democracy, which will be the process of engagement on, on that mass scale.